0: And hello there, Peter Mansbridge here. You are just moments away from the latest episode of The Bridge. It's Wednesday, it's election time. That means smoke, mirrors, and the truth with Bruce Anderson.
1: Tim Hortons Smile Cookie Week is back starting September 13th. For one week, the iconic chocolate chunk cookies topped with a pink and blue smile will be available at Tim Hortons restaurants across Canada. 100% of the proceeds from each Smile Cookie will be donated to local charities and community groups in each restaurant's neighborhood. Celebrating its 25th anniversary, the Smile Cookie campaign has raised more than $60 million for charities, hospitals, and community programs across the country. Grab your Smile Cookie from September 13th to 19th only at Tim Hortons.
0: I love that music on Wednesdays smoke mirrors and the truth. You can just hear that sounding like smoke mirrors and the truth every Wednesday. And that means I'm in Stratford, Ontario. Bruce Anderson is in Ottawa. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good morning. Whatever time of day it is in whatever part of the country you're in.
2: Oh, the smoke is lifting. It's been raining all night, Peter. I don't know about where, where you are, but it's been raining cats and dogs, as they say. And, um, I've been looking forward to this too. And of course I was really thinking about it a lot yesterday. And then I got this notice on my calendar that I think you've got a book coming out soon. Don't you (laughs) have a book coming out soon? And I was like, do I have to order it now?
0: You do. And if you order it now, you go right into the, the special pool to get a, a book plate signed by me to stick inside that book.
2: I'm so glad I remembered it. That's right. And, then, you know, I don't know, maybe it was the wrong thing to bring it up on the show this no, morning. No, no, no,
0: it's fine. You you can bring it up. It's Simon and Schuster. It's called Off the Record. It's a Off
2: the Record.
0: I okay. think I, it's off the record in the sense, these are the stories that I never told on air. They're the stories that... Um, Why did you
2: conceal them, Peter, all these years? And why do people have to pay now to get these? Like I will pay. I understand that.
0: That's you know, you got to earn a living and everything else. It's tough being a pensioner, man. All right, I'm telling you, struggling here in my one man band in my little podcast studio in Stratford, Ontario. This is this is a tough life. This ain't the CBC where I was surrounded by thousands. Of good life public life. servants who worked awfully darn hard, I must say. But the, here I am all alone. Occasionally, my son, Will, helps. You know Willie. is a great kid. Um, but, you know, he's off in his own life and his own job these days. But he will, you know, he, he spends a bit of time every day uh, giving me advice, on, especially on branding and social media stuff. But anyway, that I digress. The, the book is a collection of stories about different things that have happened during my career that there, there are these kind of stories and, and you tell them just like I do. You, you were at a certain event or what have you. And it, it you know, there was a, a, a public discussion of whatever that event was. And yet things happen kind of behind the scenes that are either funny or, uh, emotional or interesting in some fashion, that that's what you end up telling about that moment when you're sitting around with friends or over dinner. Uh, And that's what this book is. It's a collection of those stories. A couple of them I've told, you know, during the podcast over the last couple of years. But uh, there are i don't know four or five dozen of them in in this book and well, you
2: have you, you have great recollection i can barely remember the story last that i heard last week or the thing that, that you know i experienced last week but you've always had great recollection and so your storytelling is fantastic i mean it, it does strike me as a bit i don't know hurtful that uh-uh. we've known each other for at least 30 years and there's no stories about, you know, your time with me, but I'm going to leave that aside. I'm just going to like put that away and uh, let's, let's talk about it. I
0: could list. probably squeeze in that story about that two iron I hit on 13 at Cruden <laughs> Bay in Scotland that that uh, ended, resulted in a birdie on a hole. I don't think you've even ever parred, but have heard that story. Yes. <laughs> we have heard that story. Um, you're mentioned in the book. You have a, you have your, are kind of a, a, let's just say your pictures in the book figure your pictures in the book. The, um, uh, and there's a a story that mentions you, but I've, I've saved all the really good stuff for the next volume, the next book inside smoke mirrors and the truth. All right. All right. I'll, I'll wait. But this one, uh, the, I, I think people will enjoy this one. And, uh, if you, now that you mention it, if you uh, log on to thepetermansbridge.com, dot uh, there's a special section there that Simon and Schuster has organized. Uh, that's my publisher, and uh, you can pre-order the book. comes out October fifth, and you can enter the contest. Um, anyway, Fantastic. that is not what I planned to bring up. But All I did right. want to. I did want to bring up some of that stuff that that the same kind of stuff, but from your perspective, I want you to start by, you know, here we are. We're, you know, a couple of hours before the major French language debate, which will be on tonight, Wednesday night. And then tomorrow night, it's the major English language. We're the only English language debate uh, between the leaders on Thursday night. And so it's going to, those both are going to get a lot of attention. Now, you've been involved with leaders before, you know, both conservative and liberal leaders in the past. You've been around on, on these kind of days. And I want to get a sense of what's likely happening, you know, inside, you know, the war rooms, the leaders room, those who, who who see the leader on a day like this. I mean, I remember when I, on those far off days, when I went to school, um, high school was, as far as I got I, I didn't actually quite finish it but nevertheless I was there and I um, you know on days of exams I was a last minute crammer it was awful I was cramming on the way on the walk to school and it that doesn't work <laughs> it certainly didn't work for me um but you know wh- what happens with leaders on a day like this are they last minute cramming or or the people around them say listen if he or she doesn't know it now they're never going to know it so just let them relax
2: Well, I think it's probably different uh, from election to election and certainly from leader to leader, Peter. I think one of the first things that occurs to me about this next two debates is that for four of the five leaders who will be on the stage. I got that right. Or Aaron O'Toole, Justin Trudeau, uh, Jagmeet Singh and Annamie Paul.
0: You forgot probably. Aaron. Did you forget Aaron O'Toole?
2: Uh, the Aaron five O'Toole, leaders yes. on it, right? Five leaders.
0: Oh, no, you're saying of the f- four of the five. Yes. Okay. Got you.
2: Blanchette is the only leader for whom his job probably isn't on the line. Um, so that makes it a different kind of debate on some level. I think that... Um, usually there's somebody who's ahead and somebody who's more secure and somebody who's less secure in their job. And, and so somebody's trying to avoid trouble and somebody's trying to land that kind of, uh, um, don't say it. heroic don't, don't punch say on it. the other actor that everybody always looks for. And it right. doesn't always happen, but, but the idea that somebody needs to make something happen and somebody else needs to avoid something happening is usually part of the frame. And I don't think that's exactly where we're at right now. I think Justin Trudeau knows that having called this election, having fallen a little bit behind in the polls, um, he has a chance to win the election campaign, but he needs to really do a couple of things pr- that are pretty important. Now, what he needs to do probably doesn't require him to cram more policy thought into his head than he already has. Um, and if you're experienced in these debates, you realize that they go by pretty quickly. And if you try to fill your thought with endless amounts of policy detail, um, it's not going to serve you very well. You're never going to get a chance to use it. And if you do try to use it, you're going to end up sounding um, less interesting, basically, to audiences. They really want to hear shorter, Punchier versions of the point that you want to make, either about your own ideas or about the the, the personality or the ideas of the other. So I think for the incumbent in this case, uh, Mr. Trudeau, it's quite different uh, than for Mr. O'Toole, who started off well and I think has spent the last kind of feel like four or five days now, a bit on the defensive about a couple of issues, and in particular guns, and the relationship between his party and his leadership with the gun lobby. And so he's got to do something to um, quell this sinking feeling that might be there with some of his uh, caucus and candidates and party that that they missed their chance maybe and that they're going to fall behind again in terms of at least the seat outcome. And and Jagmeet Singh is sitting there with a bigger number than people maybe expected. And and no question that, that those votes are the votes that the Liberals are going after. He's got to defend those. So everybody's got a different... Objective, and some of it will be about personality, their own, or characterizing the other. Some of it will be about some fairly stark and a few in number policy differences. But that's why I'm probably more interested in these debates than I've been in a long time. I actually think that um, they can be quite consequential, and the uh, and the leaders are all uh, pretty skilled. Uh, so it should be uh, it should be worthwhile watching.
0: Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think they are going to be uh, consequential, um, and especially so the, um, I mean, the the ground was set at, to a degree with the French language debate at TVR last week in Quebec. Um, that could alter tonight, but uh, let's assume you set that aside for a moment. The, the tomorrow night debate, the English language debate is going to be huge and could have a real difference, and part of the reason is I remember last week you telling us that, you know, no matter how you feel about polls, if you want to sort of get a sense of where we are in the race, you know, kind of look at the spread of of different polls that are out there, and the truth probably lies somewhere uh, in the middle there. Now, what's interesting about this time round, as opposed to most other election campaigns that I can remember, there are a lot of polls, so there have been four or five in the last four or five days. Um, and there, there do not appear to be any rogue polls, so to speak. In other words, one poll was kind of way out there for one party or another. They're all basically bunched up together within one, two, at the most three points of each other, the lead, the lead parties, most of them, you know, margin of error included, they're basically ties. So that really is where we are. If you go by your theory from last week, and I tend to agree with that, and if that is where we are, the slightest, you know, movement on a night like tomorrow night could have a huge impact. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the um, the
2: polls have been telling us that most people, if the choice comes down to a conservative or a liberal government, something like sixty to sixty five percent would prefer a liberal government to a conservative government. So if you're the conservatives, you look at that 40 percent and say, well, that's more than enough to elect us if all of those people voted for us. But that leaves very little room for error. So they I think they will understand that, um, especially having spent a few days talking about guns and vaccinations and and, um, being challenged a bit on the climate change issue that they need to do more to shift that balance so that those progressive voters are maybe kind of indifferent um, to liberal versus conservative. And uh, I think that's a challenge, but I think it's always the challenge for the conservative party in the modern times that they've got a smaller accessible vote pool. Um, And now not every pollster is finding that. We have found that consistently in ours and a couple of other polling companies have found that as well, that more people say they're willing to consider voting liberal than are willing to consider voting conservative. In fact, the NDP is second in our polls consistently in terms of the total accessible voter pool. So that's the challenge for the conservatives as they head into it is is, um, a lot of people will surround the conservative leader and say, galvanize the base, motivate the base, do the things that make people really excited and want to get out there and vote. And others will say, keep on doing what you started trying to do at the beginning of this campaign, which is opening minds up to the idea that you could be a good prime minister, even if they're not conservative by nature, they're just a little tired of the liberals. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, Aaron O'Toole uh, comes into that debate tomorrow night. Because I, I imagine it's typically the case that, you know, advisors like to cram into these rooms and surround these leaders and give them their advice. And and the best run campaigns usually have one person who hears that happening and says, you bunch, exit. <laughs> because there only needs to be one kind of advice in that situation because things go really badly if the leader has two or three different thoughts that they're trying to do. So I'm going to be very interested in what kind of Aaron O'Toole comes into the debate. I think we know what kind of, Justin Trudeau is going to come into the debate. I think he's going to be stylistically quite like what he was in Quebec last week on the TVA debate. Um, I think he's going to spend a fair bit of time um, talking to those soft NDP voters about what a conservative government would mean. And also probably uh, making some points about the NDP policy on things like climate change, which independent reviews have said, isn't quite, uh, as good as the Liberal uh, Party platform isn't on climate change and isn't even as good, um, these observers would say, as a conservative climate policy, which I think will come as a surprise to some of those voters who uh, kind of assume that the NDP might have uh, maybe the best uh, climate plan. So I think Trudeau's going to be trying to do that. And I, am not sure where uh, Jagmeet Singh is going to come from. I mean, he has spent a lot of time talking about the liberals being all talk, no action. And, and I think that's easy to do in advertising, but it it might be more difficult to prosecute in the room and, and Truda will be there with a chance to rebut, but actually this chance to rebut, I wanted to ask you a question, Peter, um, you know how the media work and how they talk about format and that sort of thing. And it always feels to me like we end up with a format that's overly complicated, that has too many people asking uh, questions. That's that, that I don't really understand how we end up in a situation where we worry that we're never really going to see, Genuine, authentic, at length exchanges between the leaders because there's so much structure to the role of different media uh, people, and and I'm worried about that for the uh, for the English language debate tomorrow night. I, I really liked the TVA debate last week, but but why does that happen? How does that? Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Uh, we touched on this a little bit yesterday on on the reporters with uh, with Rob and Althea, but my own view on, on on your question is look you have two you have two routes you can go you can either pick the one moderator and that usually has to be somebody who is clearly neutral from all the participants on the stage in other words not just the leaders but the the media organizations and so then you, you go in the past and you see like the David Johnstons from the from the uh, you know 70s and 80s um, you see Steve Bacon from uh, TVO who wasn't associated with any of the mm. networks who were you know, part of the what was then called a consortium. Um, so you either go that route or you let, which seems to have happened these last couple of debates on the English side, not the French side, but on the English side, where you basically let the, the, the networks make a decision and, and and it's all about branding for the networks so mm-hmm. okay you know global if you're gonna have donna friesen we have to have lisa LaFlamme, and the cbc has to have you know one of their anchors um and in in this case it's uh rosie barton um so the that way you you can see the problem building you have this kind of building block of of news organizations with their with their people up front that the the brand their network as part of all this thing so you have too many people and then you have a moderator and then you have the the four or five different leaders who are on the stage and you end up with what we ended up last time round but as i've said before last time round we all thought it was awful and it was awful i think uh, it was. But it was extremely popular in the sense that a lot of people watched it. So you weigh these two things. In fact, I think more people watch that debate than any debate.
2: Are uh, you saying that you think that it was popular? Uh, first of all, I probably don't have the same... I don't interpret popular just because a lot of people watch it. People might watch it because it's an yeah, election and it's Yeah, maybe popular is the
0: wrong word. I mean, I mean, I think they watched it like they watch a train crash, right? I mean, they, they they said, "Wow, this is crazy," right? You know,
2: do you think that more people come to a program like that because the 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 well-known network anchors are there. Is that part of what you're saying? No, that that no, no.
0: As, you know, as Rob pointed out yesterday, is quite correct. I, you know, if you think back to all the debates we've watched, the only time a moderator ever became part of the story um, was in one of the French language debates when when the moderator fainted. And, I was there.
2: I was in the room. <laughs> you were in the um,
0: room, and, and then it became a question of which leader is going to move first to to, to help that poor person out, who's basically lying on the floor. Um, anyway, the uh, it, we should tell listeners that she was fine in the end, by the way. She was fine in the end. Yes. Uh, but it did. Did it uh, did it delay the, oh, yes, the it thing yeah. a bit? Did it delay it a, a day, or did it delay it like a, an hour or something? an hour
2: or so. I don't remember exactly how long, but I do remember because I was helping um, Jean Charest during that debate. And we had prepped him in this little holding room. Each leader has a holding room. It was at the national railway uh, center building in downtown Ottawa. And um, then he goes on the stage and uh, the handful of us that had been with him were watching on TV. And then they they took this break because um, the moderator, as you say, fainted and he came back and very unusually, we got a chance to talk about how it was going and uh, um, I don't know, I think I was watching the US Open in tennis last night and I was thinking, well, that wouldn't be allowed in tennis. You, you wouldn't be able to do any kind of discussion of strategy or anything like that in the middle of a, right. of a match. Anyway, that was a one-time experience. Uh, yeah.
0: so but I mean, I feel- the point I was making is that the, of all, when you go back through all the history of all the debates and the moments that became the moments of whatever debate, they don't include the journalists, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, right. they're not part of it. So, right. um, you know, people come to the set to, to help them make a decision. They don't come to watch networks branding each other as much yeah. as I was involved in many of those kind of moments, not in debates, but in other moments where, you know, it clearly was part of the branding of the network. But listen, you know, the uh, television debates, especially this one, uh, these two over the next couple of nights, are an important part of the democratic process. People are trying to make up their mind about who to vote for, what kind of government they want, et cetera, et cetera. And that is for a lot of people becomes a key point in their decision-making oh, process, yeah. whether they watch it live or they end up watching clips later. Uh, I think
2: that's right. I think starting at nine actually as well is going to, uh, in some parts of the country, produce a smaller audience and therefore more reliance on clips and, um, I think that when you have that many journalists and I guess there's a pollster as the moderator as well, like that many personalities on the, on the stage who are not the politicians um, there's a risk that the amount of airtime uh, for the politicians is less. I hope that's not the case because it's the only English debate that there is. Yeah. Uh, last time there were more. Um, yep. And so I, I don't know. I don't love this format, but, but um, it is what it is, and and um, it'll have to do. And hopefully, if it if people find it clunky again this year, like they did the last time, um, the network will kind of hear that message and, and come up with a different formula going forward.
0: Okay, I want to take a quick break. I want to. I have a question about polling um, that I would like to try and help me with. And some of our viewers, because they've been asked the same kind of thing. But first of all, this uh, quick pause.
1: Starting September 13th, Tim Horton's Smile Cookie Week is back. From September 13th to 19th at Tim Horton's, 100% of the proceeds from all Smile Cookies purchased will be donated to local charities and community groups across Canada. In the last 25 years, you have helped us raise over $60 million. And in 2020 alone, Smile Cookie Week brought in $10.6 million while helping over 500 community organizations. You can participate by grabbing your own Smile Cookie at Tim Horton's restaurants across Canada from september 13th to 19th you're listening to the bridge with peter mansbridge
0: all right peter mansbridge back here with smoke mirrors and the truth bruce anderson is in ottawa i'm in stratford ontario we're hours away from the uh, final French language debate and a day away from the only English language debate in this campaign. So it's an important couple of days and it comes amidst a you know, series of, uh, of public opinion polls and research studies that would seem to indicate this is basically a tied election between the top two parties, the liberals and the conservatives. And quite frankly, the NDP aren't that far back. They're 10 points back, could be a decision maker in terms of any minority parliament um, and the, uh, the move will be on as Bruce mentioned a little while ago by the Liberals to try and attract some of that NDP vote back to the Liberals if that's where they'd come from uh, to try and help blunt the conservative numbers. Here's my uh, question Bruce about polling. Um, Because you, like uh, uh, many other pollsters, uh, have done this uh, over time, and and it's called this kind of three-day rolling poll number. Um, So I want to try and understand how that works because uh, that that tracking poll, as they call it, a daily tracking poll, gets a lot of attention. Uh, So I want to understand... I, I know a different new uh, different polling organizations handle things differently, but generally how does, how does, uh, do those work?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. And I'm glad you, you brought it up. Um, these uh, rolling tracking polls have become like the, the bag of movie popcorn for uh, people like you and me and others who really get into it. It's like our hands just keep going right back <laughs> into the bag and we keep on filling up. But is it, is it, Perfectly good for us, uh, you know. It's tasty, and uh, and it makes you want more. Uh, but um, it, they do need to be observed with a little bit of caution. And here's 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 one of the reasons why. I mean, what happens with a track a, a rolling tracking poll is that the survey company uh, interviews a certain number of people, the same number of people typically every single night. And each day they report the results of the last, call it three nights polling, which means that on the next day, they drop the fourth night ago and introduce a new night's data. So the changes that get reported are changes when you kind of shift from one set of three nights to the next set of two of those three nights plus a new night. And then that repeats itself the next time. It can make, um, or some challenges when you have one day or one night where the number of people, the kind of people that you're reaching on the phone, because we're talking mostly about these, uh, uh phone based polls right now is different from those that you might get on another day there's been some evidence in my mind anyway that weekend numbers are a little bit less stable because people who answer the phone are different from the people who might answer the phone on a weeknight but if you have a a kind of a weird set of numbers on any given day and any polling methodology can get that um, it's i'm not being critical of of a particular methodology or a company or anything like that it can just happen then that sits inside your three-night tracking pool until it gets exhausted uh, because you've added more data. And it can create this sense of fluctuation that isn't really real. Uh, But because we're sitting there with the bag of popcorn, we kind of assign a level of importance and enthusiasm to it, and the partisans get all into it and decide that this is a – you know, a moving vehicle, call it momentum of a sort that that, uh, maybe isn't really there. And as you remember from our earlier conversations, Peter, including those with Chantel, my advice was you might see some movement, but basically assume that not that many people are paying attention. And this brings me to another point, and I don't want to, um, up too much clock talking about polling methodology. But I do think that we're watching now, you mentioned the, that you thought all the polls were kind of huddled together and there weren't really rogue polls. To my eye, there have been a couple of, uh, of roguish looking polls. Um, there was one that had a nine point conservative lead, um, which I don't think ever existed. I didn't see any evidence in our polling or in any other companies polling that that was the case. Um, uh, I could mention a couple of others, but I'm not going to. Uh, but I think that when you when you when you have so much interest in polling, the temptation is to kind of report and accentuate numbers that look like change happened. And I think we all need to be careful about whether or not that change really did happen. And and so where I was getting to is that we've got online polls, we've got live phone calls where an individual is phoning somebody and saying, what are you going to do? And then we've got um, robot phone calls, basically where if you pick up your phone, you get an automated question that says press one, if you're going to vote liberal two, if you're going to vote people's party and so on. Um, I think over time, you know, we're going to want to examine more carefully what kind of people answer the phone um, in the in these election periods? Maybe especially in the early election periods. Um, I don't. I'm not saying that because I'm sure they're less representative sample, but I I have questions uh, about them now, um, and I don't have the same questions about online polls, which is what we use. I do have concerns about online polls, but I think these methodologies aren't all the same, I guess is what I'm, uh, I'm kind of struggling to get out. And I think, you know, after this election, it would be a good time to take a good look at how they work through the election, not just did they all get as close as possible to the, to the right number the day before election day, because there are lots of reasons that that can happen, but um, that isn't the only way, I think, to measure the effectiveness of them.
0: You know, that's one of the reasons why I have a problem with, um, and once again, this isn't directed at any, you know, one person or one organization, but why I have a problem with those who aggregate polls, you know, throw them all together and, you know, and, and come up with some theme, some tracking theme to polls, because the, there are such different methodologies and different questions are asked and more, more being asked these days, including by pollsters themselves, as you've just witnessed about the, uh, the methodologies they use. Um, things have changed a lot in every other industry. It wouldn't be surprising if they, they're they gonna need to change in the uh, polling research industries as well. Um, my Last question for this week, and this is, uh, you know, and I was thinking of it when you were telling the Jean Charest story about the, you know, the day, the, the unfortunate incident with the moderator fainting in the middle of a debate. Um, because you've seen a lot of these players close up over time, especially around intense moments like debates, um, if you draw on your uh, anecdotal experience and your personal history with them, aside from that moment, are, are, are there stories where a leader surprised you or uh, you know impressed you beyond what you already thought of them? because of the, the way they were handling the situation or the way they took in information or the way they used that information, you know, moments later on the, on the uh, d- debate floor, you don't have to mention names or you could, um, but you've worked with an array of different leaders from different parties. And I, I think it would be interesting to hear your experience on that.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the most famous ones was, was Brian Mulroney debating with John Turner and he, uh, you know, it, um, the moment was really about Turner having taken over the liberal leadership and, uh, preparing for a campaign, but in between taking over the leadership and launching the election campaign, he made a number of appointments that clearly to most eyes looked like patronage appointments and the kind of patronage appointments that make voters feel a little bit icky. And, uh, and Turner was not really prepared properly for that. And I'm not blaming his advisors. It's on him. Ultimately his answer to the question, why did you do that? And how did you feel like that was okay? Um, was not what it needed to be. And, and uh, in the sense that he said, well, I had no choice and Brian Mulroney jumped on that and said, well, you did have a choice. And I thought that was a pretty dramatic moment that, people still talk about in terms of the career making kind of episodes for Brian Mulrooney. And, uh, he was very effective. I also did think, and, um, not just because I worked with him, John Charest was very effective, um, in that format. He didn't start out necessarily that way. He actually, when he entered that leadership race, he was kind of a 5% candidate and Kim Campbell was about a 35% candidate. Um, by the end of it, significantly through the course of debates and just learning how to sharpen his message and be able to say, this is what I'm running for this, this, and this, and this is what's wrong with her, uh, platform. Um, he, you know, if there had been another week in that leadership, he probably would have won it. And, uh, who knows whether that 93 campaign would have turned out much differently, but it could have. So, uh, uh, you know, and I think, uh, Gretchen also, um, well, I didn't really agree with him on a lot of policy issues. I felt like he was—he kind of managed himself pretty effectively in those debate situations. Um, uh, he kind of played with the tools that he had rhetorically, and from the standpoint of presence, and and uh, I think that was that was effective for him. Um, uh, I, you know, I don't know that there have been monumental failures. Other than the, the Turner one, um, I, I do think Andrew Shear was not great last year and it, and it propelled him to the finish that he had. And, um, and uh, so, I, you know, I, I don't love the was there a knockout punch question because I actually think that there, there can be in the course of a debate a number of episodes of exchanges that happen that layer in thoughts Uh, into people's minds. And they may not be able to tell you, Oh, there was this moment on vaccines or on climate or on guns that was really so compelling to me that it pushed everything else out of my head and it made up my mind, how we're going to vote. That's probably not a thing to be, you know, spending a lot of time looking for But on the other hand, this is an audition for Aaron O'Toole. Is he up to the job of being prime minister even if people have some doubts about his party, those swing voters, will they let that happen if they're NDP voters and they're just a little tired of the liberals? Will those swing liberal NDP voters uh, swing liberal conservative voters go, yeah, Aaron O'Toole, he's okay. Trudeau feels a little tired to me. So that's Aaron O'Toole's uh, challenge. And it won't be one sentence that decides whether he passes that uh, job audition. Uh, and for Trudeau, I think people are looking for a show me that you really want this, show me some humility, ask to be rehired. And um, if he does those things pretty well, I, I think that there are a lot of people saying, well, I I didn't I don't know that I really want to change government. And so that's his, that's his challenge. And I think for the others, it'll really be about how do you get share of voice? How do you really get noticed as this looks like, as you just put it, a fight between two parties as to which is going to form government.
0: Okay. Good synopsis. Um I can't wait. You know, we uh, we live to watch these these kind of moments and sometimes we end up thoroughly bored and disgusted by it all. <laughs> uh but other times it can be uh, it can be pretty exciting and uh, the pressure that is on these people, all of whom you know, are running for public office, they are They are the gutsy ones. A lot of us sit on the sidelines and uh, yell and scream about government. These people actually are willing to serve. You can argue about how well they may do in that job, but they are willing, and they're there. They put themselves forward, and and, and with that, they, they put all their their vulnerabilities, uh, and their credits in front of all of us to, uh, to weigh. So I think you have to have an enormous amount of respect for all of them, no matter which party and which ideology they represent when they're standing there on the stage. Uh, okay, Bruce, uh, thank you for this. Bruce will be back on Friday, of course, with Chantel uh, when we kind of put all this together about, well, what happened? We've watched two days of that, and uh, here we are a week away from the election what does it all mean so that's good talk on Friday tomorrow on Thursday will be your chance to weigh in on whatever it is you want to say uh, about the election campaign so write me at the mansbridge podcast at gmail.com the mansbridge podcast at gmail.com I read all your letters uh, some of them make it on to uh, the kind of your turn moment on Thursdays. Uh, and it's, uh, it's always fun, and you seem to enjoy it as well, so we look forward to that tomorrow. But if you want to say something about anything, you better get it in today, uh, by midnight tonight. Get me, uh, get me your thoughts for your turn. Um, that wraps it up for, uh, for this day. Bruce, thanks very much. We'll talk to you again soon on Friday with Chantel. You bet, Peter. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you again in 24 hours. Thank you.